What's up, Real Nation? Uh, coming back at you with another podcast on Monday, like I had promised. Let's go ahead and get into this first part. Uh, splitting this one up into two. So let's talk about the trade deadline. Let's start off with Anthony Davis. Okay, so he requests a trade. That's amazing, all right? The Lakers are offering basically, you know, the whole young crop of core and a draft pick and whatever cap filler takes to, you know, get him. And that's the first report. And then there's other reports where they're like, okay, you can have two of our four good young guys, you know, and they're not even including Josh Hart. And then you can have Rondo, Lance, and Michael Beasley with the first-round pick. You know, so it's either it's a really good trade offer or it's a underwhelming trade offer because you're only getting two guys and you don't know if you're going to be able to pick the right two guys in this trade if you're New Orleans Pelicans and Danny Ainge you know you don't know who you're going to be able to get and what what they're going to do at least for your franchise going forward so you're looking at that and you're like no these guys aren't serious and the, the mindset of the New Orleans Pelicans going into these trade talks was, okay, um, the Lakers are the Lakers. They potentially are tampering really heavily with Rich Paul as Anthony Davis's agent. And we don't even want to be serious with them because we know that come this summer, we could get someone like Jason Tatum, who undeniably Jason Tatum is probably one of the best young trade pieces that anybody would make available for a guy like Anthony Davis. Um, you know, but but saying, okay, you get one Jason Tatum versus Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma plus somebody else in Ivica Zubats, maybe that would have been awesome. I think you can get four of those guys for the, you know, instead of just one guy and you know, a guy that's literally just going to bullshit around and eat up money. Maybe like Marcus Smart. You know, like, they would talk you into taking Marcus Smart. The Celtics would do that. Uh, I mean, the whole thing was that the Pelicans just didn't care. They wanted to make the Lakers look bad. There was a leak that came out that the Pelicans were really just trying to screw the chemistry inside the Lakers locker room. And I don't know if I 100% believe that, but it definitely seems like something I could believe very easily if I just stopped thinking too hard. But, you know, so for now, Anthony Davis is going to be a Pelican, um, at least for the remainder of the season. And who knows, they may even just hold them until 2020 and let them walk for nothing. Um, all I know is his, his value is going to depreciate every day. And by the time the draft comes around and all these other you know things where he can be traded again, 
they're not going to be getting anywhere near as much as the Lakers were offering now. Mm. That being said, they did make some trades this trade deadline. Um, not that I approve of them. I'm just saying they probably were better off keeping both of those guys, but we're in a win-now mode. LeBron's 34, so I see why they made them. They traded Svi Mikhailu and a second-round pick for Reggie Bullock, who in his first outing did not do well for the Lakers. Um, I'm trying to think here. They got Mike Muscala for EVT Zubats and Michael Beasley. That's a terrible trade. Terrible, terrible trade. Oh, my God. Evita was coming off of, like, his best month in the NBA. His best two months, I think, back-to-back almost. He was putting up around 18 to 20 points a game. I mean, like, the dude's only 21, and he seems like he's really ready to come in and and produce on the inside around that bucket. And, you know, he can hit the mid-range. He just needs to be able to to, you know, find a way to get it off quicker, find a way to do whatever. He could have been a very big asset for the Lakers. I mean, even two-point range is spacing the floor a little bit. You know, that that gives more room for LeBron to work as well. Um, that would have been awesome. That would have been really awesome to keep him and to continue to see him grow into somebody that could potentially be an all star capable player maybe even an all NBA or all defensive player the guy has natural blocking ability he just needs to hone in on what he's good at and really focus on some of those areas of alright do I stay planted here do I go vertical challenge here with you know the NBA's new rules VT Zubats is a very great prospect and we traded away a guy who came in off the bench who missed a lot of the season and would put up buckets for us and I don't know if I can just appreciate trading away two guys that you know aren't the best three-point shooters especially Vizia who didn't really take any um but Michael Beasley could hit it right at like a 30 something percent click that's not good but what is Mike Muscala shooting 34 percent from three this season I mean, he may or may not be taking more threes a game than both of those two players combined. And I see that, you know, LeBron with some shooters does, you know, make him look better, make these shooters look better somehow, some way. Um, And we're going to be getting into that uh, in a minute. But, you know, to be honest, I don't approve of either trade. If, if anything, the Reggie Bullock one looks on paper to be the best one that they made of the two. But that's just crazy. Um, so following our trade deadline stuff, right even before the trade line, they played trade deadline. They played the Pacers. And oh, they, they got blown out. The young guys went out there and they just... It just looked like all moral faith and hope for anything had been taken away from these guys. And uh, LeBron and everybody else is sitting way far away from each other on the bench. It's just like, wow. And they, they chant at Brandon Ingram, LeBron's going to trade you. 
that's pretty messed up. I'm not gonna lie, there should be something done about this kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, because, okay, say Victor Oladipo didn't want Darren Collison on the team. Right. So, the next time they go play a, a person, play another team, and Darren Collison gets to the line, shoots free throws, or every time he touches the ball, uh, Victor's gonna trade you. I mean, like, would they like that? Would, would Pacers fans be happy with us, with anybody else chanting that a player on their team is gonna trade another player on their team? You know, would, would any fan base be happy with that logic, saying that your best player is gonna trade someone on your team that you, you know, seem to like? I don't think any fan base would be happy with that, right? And if I'm the Laker fan base, I'm I'm very pissed, and I'm going out there and I'm talking crap to all of these Pacers fans for being bullshit. Um, that's just how I feel about that game. That game was an expected loss. They they needed to get that kind of a loss out their way. That way they could go and get the win that they did versus the Celtics, which seems like a momentum changer. I don't know what came over Rondo with that last uh, second go-ahead shot to get him a one-point lead, but he hit it. I think that was like his first one of his career that he's ever made in a buzzer-beating winner. Uh, uh, so, you know, good good shit for him. He he really helped us out, in this, especially against the Celtics that he won championships on. I mean, that's... Was it just one championship? I can't remember. Someone let me know. Um, you know, but that was cool to see how he reacted after he hit that and how all the teammates reacted. Um, that kind of a win definitely seemed to have brought everybody a bit closer, brought everybody back into the circle and say, hey, we still have a job to do. Um, and then that leads on to the 76ers game. So... I'm going to talk about that in the next segment. Pretty good game. And uh, we'll be right back. Alrighty, so the start of the 76ers game was really insane. Um, I mean, they both teams scored like 40-something. I, I want to say they both scored like around 40. And that's... That's definitely a lack of defense in that game, or a a much better offense on both parts. Um, but you know, overall, we lost the game, but the Lakers still put up 120 points. You know, so that for me, that's just saying that the 76ers did a really good job in trading for these these rental guys that are going to help them win this year. 143 points is a very insane amount for any team to put up and you know when when your total score if you add both sides up is not even 40 points away from 300 points well then that really says that you had you had some some pretty good teams battling um Kuzma went off in that first quarter for like 20 something and then was kind of just like there the rest of the game he ended up with like 38 or something like that. LeBron, once again, only 18 points. So, you know, I mean, 
it, it looks like he's he's not himself. Um, he's not a hundred percent, but I mean, I know he has a gear in there that he can still turn. Um, and we've seen it earlier this season when he went up for like fifty points. I mean, we've seen the gear. It's it's here. Um, it's there. We need him to tap into that a little bit more. Um, I think Brandon went out and put 19 points up. That was good. We're still missing Lonzo. I think if we had him, um, there would have been just an extra element of defense that wasn't there this game, as far as I'm concerned from the Lakers' side. It would have been a much closer game, I think. Uh, Ultimately, I was expecting a loss versus Philly. That's, That's Philadelphia. I mean, like, what? What are the Lakers going to do against a 6'11 guard who can literally just shoot over any of your players with a, with a floater? Now, I'm not going to lie. He did not play good. Ben Simmons did not play good at all. Um, everybody else seemed to play really good. I, I don't know the exact stats, but like Tobias put up like 20-something, and that's great to see from him. Um, JJ Redick put up 20-something. Who all starts on that team? I don't know who their small forward is. I mean, I know Embiid put up 20-something and maybe even 30-something for him. I mean, the Lakers have no big man to stop Joel. Um, you know, so, I mean, that game really went how how I expected. Uh definitely didn't expect to win but you know it was a much better game to watch than I thought it would be not gonna lie I didn't watch the whole thing uh, I was out doing stuff but yeah that was a that was a crazy game now looking forward I I can't remember exactly who they play let me look they play the Hawks and then I know they play the Clippers coming up soon, do they not? They play the Hawks and they play the Rockets. Oof. Okay, the Rockets is going to be a hard one. Maybe if they don't have uh, Clint Capella still, then, you know, maybe we'll, we'll win against them. We're going to see New Orleans coming up on Saturday and then back on Monday we'll be playing the Memphis Grizzlies. So I'll, I'll get back to that uh, on Monday, but we got the Hawks, and we got the Rockets, and we got the Pelicans, and we got the Grizzlies, right? I can see a win against the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, and the Hawks. You know, for sure, I can see a win, um, as long as every guy is, is playing defense and, you know, out there doing their thing. So...
definitely like doing his thing as far as defense goes, right? And I feel like another reason the Lakers felt like they had to get LeBron this offseason is because they know that Luke Walton is not an offensive coach, right? And so you take offense out the picture of Luke Walton. All he does is focus on on defense, really. And they, they got a few offensive sets put in, right? But, like, Luke Walton seems to me like a kind of coach where you need to give him three years with the same group to first year really work on defense. Second year, add offensive stuff but still focus defense. And then the third year, really get into offense. Right? Like, that's the kind of coach I think Luke Walton is. He needs a lot of time to really get get out there with his offensive sets and everything. That said, Luke Walton is not a bad coach. He's a good guy. But as far as what the Lakers need, they need an offense. Right? And we all know these young guys can defend. So if... I mean, I'm not trying to say Luke Walton should just offer up his job to anybody. But I don't want to lose a guy in Luke that's a really great defensive coach. Right, but then replace him with a guy that's really good in offense, but not so good defensively. Right, so I, in a perfect world, I would want Luke Walton to be my defensive coordinator. I would want someone else to come in and be an offensive coordinator. If Kobe Bryant ever decided that he wanted to coach, shit, I would want him to be my offensive coordinator. I would want to have a one-two both the dual head coaching right and maybe a maybe a one in the back back that's kind of like decent at both for your backup coach and I don't know if this is like allowed in the league maybe someone can let me know just like could you have two head coaches a head coach for this and a head coach for that I mean if if so that'd be awesome um now, Luke has gotten better with his, his offense. You know, he's making a name for himself. And uh, rumblings around the Lakers are saying that, like, Luke Walton is going to get fired for just not producing. I mean, the guy's dealt with so many injuries on this team. I don't see why we take this season and say, okay, you're really bad at coaching. Let's fire you. I mean, he missed LeBron for... Uh, at least a third of the year if not more and then you know you're still missing Lonzo with his fucking ankle injury that keeps coming back Uh, Brandon missed time at the beginning with his uh, fight that he had with Chris Paul and the little injury he had Kuzma hasn't been feeling 100% Josh Hart is missing games and found out today he's not going to be able to play until after the All-Star break and so and it's really just a question of, like, are we ready for this after the All-Star break push? You know, is Walton ready for everybody to be back so that way he can push them and really get this team rolling like they were at the beginning of the season after they, you know, started kind of rocky? Is there any way that these young guys can make a push to be 
a deep playoff run team, you know? That's a lot of questions that people are asking. I really feel like the only way we're going to prove it is by getting out there and doing it. So, to end off this podcast, I definitely want to go ahead and ask you guys, any listener I have out there, to just send in any questions, send in any of your thoughts on like what I'm saying, what I'm speaking about. Just maybe send in a whole 20-minute thing just talking about something, and I'll get on there, and I'll talk to you. I'll literally write or record an episode responding to anyone out there right now. Um, talk about anyone, anything. To be honest, I'm still caught up in Lakers stuff. I don't exactly know when the All-Star break is going to happen. I think it's this coming weekend. But I actually have no idea. So I definitely need to <laughs> grasp my head around the fact that All-Star break is here and I need to chill out um, with the Lakers stuff for a minute and take a break. But uh, when when this All-Star break is done and the Lakers are full, the roster's full and healthy and ready to compete, then then and only then do I think they can go on a serious run. But this week, I think we can knock them down for at least three wins. They've already lost once. I think we can knock them down with three wins, two losses this week, which is good because they're winning, but they need to win more if they want to get where they want to go. So that's been me. Uh, it's been Real Real Nation, and uh, catch you next time.